right, welcome again to episode number two of the No Sources podcast. We are back. Uh, thank you so much for all the feedback on the first episode. Uh, I'm super excited to be able to do this again. And join me today, straight from the office, it's Alex Johnson. How's it going, man? Doing well, doing well. Thanks for having me on, Kevin. Yeah. All right. Well, um, Alex and I work together, uh, and basically, we spend as much time wasting time talking about sports and whatever as we do working. But um, what I'm really interested in, like you, there's a lot of stuff going on with your sports teams right now. Uh, one in particular. It, it's a very exciting time. Uh, to be a, uh, a Minnesota fan yes. in, in general. So you're from Minnesota. I am. Native. And and we'll, we'll get to the Wolves a little bit later. Uh, we're going to touch on the draft here in a second. But obviously a lot going on there. And then what we'll get to talk about a little bit later is uh, basically all the money that we lose and win gambling on sports. Because uh, I don't know when, when we figured out that like we both like to gamble on sports, but... I think both of our eyes just kind of lit up when there was finally someone else to like talk about it with. It, it was a very quick mutual bonding, and it, it it was the real life moments of you know the stepbrother scenes of did we just become best friends? <laughs> yup. Oh gosh, and like no one else even like knows what we're talking about. Not but, at all. Not at yeah, all. It's a whole new world. Um, so let's let's jump in real quick to the draft. Uh, round one was last night. Round two is later this evening. Um, the Vikings got Laquan Treadwell with their first pick. Uh, uh, Adrian Peterson, did you see his tweet? He, he was excited about it. Yeah, I think he said something along the lines of uh, have championship on your mind. Yeah. You know, which is very is aggressive, that... and I like it. It's positive. <laughs> um, so talk, talk about what you thought the Vikings were lacking most last year and then where you think that a guy like Treadwell is going to be able to help them. Uh. The offense overall is, uh, the passing game is low. Um, I'm hoping Treadwell can come in and, you know, they what they want from him is they want him to be that body, you know, that can get up and make plays. Um, they don't really need a speedster, per se. You know, I know there's a lot of talk about uh, his poor 40 times, uh, but between Diggs and, uh, you know, the rest of the receiving core, we have enough speed uh, throughout. I don't think that's going to be a problem. Um, the, the biggest need though, is just Teddy needs to actually throw him the ball. Yeah. And, uh, Barnwell from ESPN, he tweeted yesterday after they made the pick, he said, as good as Treadwell is, the Vikings passing game needs Bridgewater to play well for it to be at all improved. I, I really like Treadwell and I really like, uh, his attitude, you know, right away coming in saying that he's excited to be there and excited to play for the team. I just hope that he's excited to possibly only catch two balls for 33 yards every game and, uh, you know, maybe about three to five touchdowns because that's kind of the numbers he's looking at from last year if yeah. they continue. So where where are you now on Bridgewater compared to, like, where you were going into last season? Because it seems like coming out of his rookie season, like, you had the excuse that, oh, he's a rookie, so the, some, some of these flaws he'll, like, grow out of or whatever. Um, how, how are you viewing him differently now? Uh, you know, I really like the strides he made at the end of his rookie year. He started to look really nice. Um, the thing with him is, and you have to remember, it's only his third year. Right. You know, there, there's not a ton of gains. You know, you don't expect him to be a superstar within the first two years, and that's something that I have to keep reminding myself of. Um, but he, I, 
I need to see him actually be able to make some throws downfield and not drop his elbow and start slingshotting th- you know these balls thirty yards over his receivers' heads. Yeah, uh, that's going to be a huge thing. That's going to be a huge problem if that keeps going on. Um, but like I said, he's still young, and I think I think the problem for me is we watched Derek Carr, you know, of the same draft class for the Raiders last year also make these big strides. Granted, you know, he's got guys like Amari Cooper right, and Rashford which, who are making plays for him. I'm too. sure which the Vikings were really hopeful. Like, if they, they already have, they had a bit of a revelation in Diggs, and then oh, if they have a guy like Treadwell come in, they're hoping that he can be that Amari Cooper. Absolutely, and I, and I know that's what they're thinking. That's what they're trying to do. But, I mean, you saw Carr make this leap, not only just on field, uh, but even, you know, we're big fantasy guys as well. And all of a sudden, he was a top. Was he probably a top eight fantasy quarterback yeah. for most of the year? And, you know, that that's the kind of production that I want to see or the kind of development that I want to see. I want to see Teddy to be confident back there. And, you know, he, he is good about staying in the pocket, unlike uh, Ponder, who we had a couple of years ago, <laughs> who at the first sign of trouble would just start scrambling around sometimes in a completely different directions that you don't want him to go. Mm-hmm. Um, but... As long as Teddy can start making those, you know, kind of 25, 30-yard throws downfield and actually hit his guys and, like I said, not sail it over their heads like he gets in the habit of once in a while, I think that's the biggest thing for him. Yeah, and obviously having a guy like Peterson helps him as far as taking attention away from the passing game. But I wonder if, for a younger quarterback, how hard it might be to like get in a rhythm throughout the course of a game if you know that your offense is so predicated on its run. And I th- ultimately, I think like Peterson does help him. But I wonder if they were to make a switch where they just became very pass-heavy, like how would he be able to adjust to, to just that different scheme? Um, obviously, the North Turner, right, is your Yeah, he's the offensive, offensive coordinator. And I, I trust that he knows what he's doing. He's always done a good job. Um, but I wonder how much just being that run-heavy team. But they don't give Peterson like a crazy amount of carries either. It seems like they so. they will if he's going hot. Yeah, they'll they'll feed him and feed him and feed him. And you know that's that's the most well-known thing. And actually, I guess maybe best well-kept secret of him as well is just the more you feed him. I mean, it's it's totally true that he just wears that defense down. And by the end of the game, that's when he starts breaking those 25, 30, 35 yeah. yard runs every, come fourth quarter. Every fantasy owner, every week, it seemed like the yes. dude would break off like a 70 yard run with three minutes left in the game. That, that's the thing with him is, you know, if you are a fantasy owner for him, you're watching his stats going, man, he's only got 10 carries for you know, 28 yards. Yeah. And all of a sudden, he's got 12 carries for 70 <laughs> yards. Oh, okay. You yeah. Know, this, this all balances out. Right, uh, but to your question, I don't, I don't know, I don't know that Teddy is a, I don't know that he'd be a slinger that he can just start throwing yeah. the ball. And that's probably the know. difference between a guy like him and Derek Carr, because Derek right. Carr does have just a cannon, and he's there was a play last year where he threw it like six yards down the field, like across, like from hash mark to hash mark, just mm-hmm. crazy. He, he's got a strong enough arm to make you know make good throws and you know make the quote unquote NFL throws. Um, I think a lot of it for him is just that accuracy once he starts throwing downfield. Right, you get that touch. Because he does kind of, he puts stuff on the line a bit more than he needs to, it seems. But they float high. They they float high, and I I always make fun of them uh, whenever I watch the games with my buddies and I'm sure they're they're overly annoyed with me, but (laughs) it it feels like he's throwing them from his hip. 
you know, the, the worst qualities in a guy like Matt Stafford, I feel like, you know, Teddy kind of, uh, you know, uh, goes that way as well. Okay. Yeah. So, who, we, I don't know what picks they have the rest of the draft, assuming they just have one in each round. Um, where else do you think the team can improve? Because you have a solid defense. Our, our defense is solid. And uh, Mike Zimmer, who came in a couple of years ago, has done a Tre- uh, tremendous job, yeah. You know, picking guys who who are kind of cast offs, you know, such as Terrence Newman, and uh, he tried to do it with Mays last year, although that didn't work. Uh, but but other guys that he's had past experience with, yeah. Um, our linebacker core is is really really solid with the two young UCLA linebackers, uh, Kendricks and Barr. So it would be interesting if they started to add a. Third you're starting to get the bones of a there. Yeah, you're um, starting to get the bones of Chad Greenway a little bit. He's slowing down. Bit. And there was talk of whether he was even going to come back this year or not. Uh, but he said he does. He wants to come back, and he is under contract now. I think. Um, but so I, I think our defense is solid. I, I think we'll be good there. We could always use another lineman, you yeah. know, both to uh, uh, protect for Teddy as well as you know Roblock or AP. Um, other than that, I, I like our skill position guys all across our offense as well. Yeah, and yeah, so them if they if Miles Jack falls to them, that'd be crazy. Um, you and then we've talked about this that uh, Terrence Newman's been starting to struggle. He's getting up there in age, but you have Trey Wayans who didn't really play at all. You drafted him in the first round last year, so yeah, we took him in the first round last year, and Wayans had his moments during uh, during his rookie season, but. I, I don't know if he just got in Zimmer's doghouse right away or if Zimmer just doesn't like playing his rookies, you know, a ton right away, which yeah. he kind of did with Xavier Rhodes two years ago as well. And then Xavier really picked it up last year, and he was a stud the whole year. Um, so maybe we see more Trey this year because uh, we did see him more towards the end of the year once Newman started wearing right. it down. Yeah, so we'll see. I think that's an exciting team. Uh, it's a little weird feeling like you have such a young team, but you have some superstars Coming down the tail end, like AP, and yeah, it's a little bit of a different mix there. Uh, who knows? He's an, he's not human. He's a robot. So who knows how much longer he'll be able to go? Um, so let's switch to a team that definitely has a young core. Uh, made a big move this off season. That is the Minnesota Timberwolves. It, they're they're just the pups. They're, <laughs> they're not even the wolves. They're the pups. <laughs> so you add Tom Thibodeau. Uh, I know you've you've made plenty of gripes about um, your old coaching staff, and basically, it was it was known that they weren't going to bring him back. Um, but you were hoping for Tibbs. Uh, I was pulling for Tibbs. There there were a couple names I would have been fine with. You know, Tibbs. Obviously, we got Jeff uh, Van Gundy. Van Gundy, I thought would have been good as well because he uh, he just seems like such a smart basketball mind. Um, but yeah, Sam Mitchell. He, I didn't. I didn't mind him as a guy and as maybe an assistant coach because yeah. I think he was really good for you know bringing up the young guys, but just his in-game strategy and his player subs and their minutes, they did not make sense to me the whole at least first half of the season. Yeah, uh, he started to really get something rolling at the end of the year, uh, you know, post All Star break, where he started rolling out this five of Rubio, Levine, Wiggins, Towns, and uh, Gorgie Dang. Uh, and they actually played really, really well. Um, their offensive rating was great. Their defensive rating wasn't very good. But hopefully Tips can come in and, uh, you know, kind of figure out those and keep his, uh, 
you know, keep their minutes in, in line and figure out some good rotations. That'll be interesting because he's notorious for not keeping people's minutes in line uh, yeah. in Chicago. He wore people down a bit, but um, we'll see how that goes. Um, where do you stand on, I don't know I don't know if they kind of tapered away from it towards the end of the year, but they were really going a lot, lineups with Zach Levine at point guard. So it during his whole first year and a half, it's like they went on this mission of we're going to make Zach Levine a point guard. They tried to make him like Russell Westbrook. Like it's exactly what they tried to do. And that's what he kind of, his game kind of resembles that. It's it's this poor man's Russell Westbrook. Right. Um, I don't personally like him as the point. I don't mind him as like a point fill in, you know, similar to like what the Clippers do when they just have Jamal Crawford bringing the ball up. Right. That's fine. I get that. It seems like a second unit thing to do though. Yeah, exactly. Um, but him, they, they started, uh, at the end of the year, they're starting him at the two, and that's where he just really started flourishing. He was shooting forty percent from three. He, he was making everything right. And I remember he uh, he went one pick before the Suns could have gotten him. Uh, they picked at twelve, and the Suns picked at thirteen. I think we ended up getting TJ Warren, which is still a good pick. But um, watching those highlights of him at UCLA, he just looked so raw. And like, that was what everything was saying, like super athlete, super raw, but he at least had like a bit of a three point touch. And it's cool to see him kind of developing it because if everyone else around him between Wiggins and towns, if they're really able to develop and he is able just to be the third guy on a really good team, he'll definitely have moments of like carrying a team and like flashes of, holy crap, look what Zach Levine just did. He absolutely does. And he has that He has that ability to just, uh, you know, that heat check ability where all of a sudden he, he puts up 25 in the second half and you kind of look and go, <laughs> wait, what happened here? Yeah. Um, so how did, did you get to watch, how much did you get to watch in this last year? Um, not as much as I would like. I need to get on League Pass next year. That's, you know, that's my fault. I, mean, yeah. I need to actually be a little bit of a better fan in that respect. But, uh, NBA TV actually kind of went out of their way, and I feel like they were showing the ends of their games a lot. So I got to catch the, a lot of the ends of the games. So what are your thoughts on Towns? Um, love Carlton <laughs> Towns. Big cat. That's, that's the thing. Big cat. But I, I couldn't be more excited about Towns. He, he's the real thing. Um, you know, he's going to be, if, if he's not already top 20, he's going to be you know, top 15, top 10 player in the next two years. Yeah. And the, the way that he looked this year. He, he can do everything. It's it's crazy because he, he has the ability, and I think he'll move his shot out a bit as he keeps progressing. Um, he has the ability to be the stretch five guy, but really does have the body to guard anyone. Well, and that's what's impressive is he has the shooting touch. You know, they... He wasn't afraid, and the T Wolves weren't afraid to, you know, have him shoot those eighteen footers and even take a couple threes here and there. Right. And he and he has a good stroke and he has a good touch. Um, but you're right; he can get down and bang low. Uh, and a great post game. And and good good post game too. So you know, you're talking about getting down and defending those guys uh, down the post. It'll be exciting to see what Tibbs does with him. Yeah. You know what with what Tibbs did with uh, Joaquin Noah right. in his Bulls days. And he can pass the same way, too. He can pass the same way. And you got to figure that, you know, no offense to Noah, but uh, Towns has to be at least, I don't know, at least a little bit more athletic than Noah is. Right, for sure. Yeah, and that's what I'm really interested in is how how Thibodeau runs his defense. 
I think they'll really be able to clog the lane like he wants to do. But they have the athletes to like get those closeouts on threes, run in transition when they need to. Um, I think the big part, which I think is less of a worry, is how well their offense is able to do under him. Um, but they just like at some point your players are so good, like you're gonna score, you know. And so who who knows who they end up adding in the draft? Uh, we'll, we'll see what happens in the draft. I know right now we're kind of slotted in that kind of Buddy Heald area, yeah. you know. Which if we can get just a, a shooter in mm-hmm. there, that'd be great. Um, yeah, like you said though, Tibbs has all the athleticism in the world to work with right. on that team with everyone being so young, oh, with the exception of Pekovic. I don't know that he's he, running out at anybody so he, when he's actually healthy, that is. Yeah, he, he, it was weird because a couple of years ago, obviously before you added all these pieces, he was, you know, it was kind of him and Rubio that ran the offense a bit, like around Love. Yeah, he, he Love, and Rubio were actually a decent three. You know, right. we, were, we were winning 40 games almost in the West. So. Yeah, and, and Rubio has still, like, kept his position as point guard, but Pekovic has kind of just faded away, and he gets hurt, like you said, but... Um, it, it's he's such a big man rolling around <laughs> on those those poor feet of his, and he just can't stay on the floor. Yeah. So, uh, what what it is like a realistic timeline for you as a fan? But then, like, what is are if this all goes through and like all these guys a long time from now retired? Is there anything short of winning a championship that you'd be like happy with? Like, is that really where the ceiling is, or? I don't. I don't know that I can go that far just yet, and it's just, I'm. I'm such a you know a personally you know kind of sadistic fan where I, I can't expect that from any of my teams. I've I've been bred you know in, the, in this poor era of Minnesota sports to just not expect that yeah. sort of level. Um, but if you got to figure it, if Towns develops the way that he should and Wiggins keeps shooting and. Honestly, I think they'll make a playoff run next year. Yeah, I, I think they'll. I think that's definitely. I, I think you know seven, six, seven, eight spot they have a chance at a very good chance at, um, and then maybe two years, you know, maybe we can win a first round series, even possibly get down to the finals, mm-hmm. uh, conference finals, and it, it definitely would shock me if we won a championship with this roster, especially if we get another good player this year too, and we have this core for the next five years. Right. I, I think it is probably realistic, you know, depending on. Depending on what happens with other teams like the Warriors, and you know, because we still got to deal with the Warriors and the Spurs and yeah. the Thunder in the West. So. Well, you'll have, I think you'll definitely have a window as like who knows how other teams are going to rebuild and whatnot, but you'll have a window for probably three, four years where all the guys that are at the top of the league right now will start to like come into their twilight or start retiring, and that core of your team will be like late 20s. And assuming they all stay together, I think that that'll be a really good time. And if you uh, win the lottery and add Simmons, then who knows? Uh, there is always that possibility, which would just be that would be mind blowing. And actually, as as a Minnesota fan, you would never expect that to happen. But the way that things have been rolling for us in the past, you know, year and a half with the Vikings coming out of nowhere to win the division, and you know. The twins were looking promising until they started zero and nine, but they're they're kind of bringing it around a little bit. And then the wolves' young roster—it's all of a sudden you you kind of you're you're positive about it. You say, "Man, maybe we do have that chance." Yeah, and I think honestly, more than anything, like 
for the Suns, obviously we had like crazy like mid two thousands run all the way to two thousand ten. But one of the most excited I've ever been was that two thousand and thirteen season where we did pretty well, but the team was just young and promising. And that's one of the most exciting places to be as a fan because you don't actually like have to look look at results. You can just like play out scenarios in your head. And like it's fun to think about what the team could be. Yeah. I think that's where you guys are right now. Yeah, that's exactly where we are. Um so LeBron, who knows how much longer he has. Let's say he has like five years left, right? I don't know. We talked about aliens earlier with AP. LeBron's just going to keep playing until he's probably 42. Right. So so there's a certain someone that I, I know you have a take on, uh, Mr. Brian Windhorst, who follows LeBron like a little lost puppy. Um, maybe. Maybe once LeBron retires, he'll, he'll go fall around uh, Minnesota Timberwolf Ben Simmons, and you can see him all the time. Uh, what <laughs> I don't know if this is gonna be really like become a recurring thing on this podcast or not, but every episode I just want to touch on Brian Windhorse, uh, see what everyone thinks about him. So so go for it. <laughs> well, uh, to be fair, when I saw your first pod come out, and I was reading through the notes before I listened, and I saw Windhorse's name uh, listed, I think the first thing I said to you was, "I can't believe you talked about him without talking to me first. <laughs> All I want to do is talk about this guy. I don't know. I just, overall, I don't know how Windhorse got where he is. Nobody knows. Probably only he and the devil know how he got where he is. Um, But the weirdest thing for me about Windhorse is, I I don't feel like he, I don't feel like he's very good at his job. And I, I think a lot of people feel that way. And the thing that dumbfounds me the most is whenever he goes on shows like PTI or if he's on podcasts with Zach Lowe or just, you know, anywhere else, these guys that have him on their shows, they praise him higher than any other guest they've ever had. Yeah. And it just, it, it throws me off. And I don't know if they do that because they just respect him that much. They think that he's that great. Or really they know and they're just or, making or up for it. Or really they know and it's just like the secret mocking <laughs> of him. And I, I can't decide which way it goes. And I talk about his, you know, his uh, reporting prowess. Um, the, the pinnacle for me uh, of him was when the Wolves traded for Garnett last year. Okay. So they traded for Garnett in the middle of the season. You know, Flip uh, Saunders brings, brings him in and Everybody knows what Garnett's there for. Yeah. You know, he's 38 years old at the time or whatever he was. You know, he's not there to be the star of the show. Um, and then after the season was over, um, they re-signed him for two more years. And I get, you know, a little sports center uh, alert across my phone. You know, Kevin Garnett re-signs for two years, you know, per Brian Windhorst. <laughs> and next to it, in quotes, you know, Windhorst's quote is, Garnett's just there to be a you know coach mentor to the team. Really? Did did you figure that one out all on your own? <laughs> that that's your big breaking news. Thank this, you. This this thirty nine year old, thirty eight, thirty nine year old guy, you know, with all these young studs around him, is just there to be like a player coach. Right. Wow. Yeah. You know, it was one of those mind blowing moments. <laughs> and it's weird because apparently he's been following LeBron like since he was in high school, but. Yeah, I don't it, know how he got assigned he, to that. He came out of, but then he just he just did kindly come out of nowhere, and he's just always following LeBron. What really baffles me, like whether he's good at his job or not, 
he just seems like he doesn't seem like the most likable person. No. Why <laughs> LeBron? Like, but he really, I I don't know how much he actually talks to LeBron because he knows a ton about him, but he never like says I was talking to LeBron. You know, it seems like. It seems like he knows all these things without ever actually like being in contact with him. But I also just imagine him like peering through some window, hiding in a tree at LeBron's house, like watching him, <laughs> hoping to find out something new. Because I just don't get it. Like LeBron can't be excited about this guy. I don't know. It's I, so weird. I, I don't. I don't know how he views him at all. But you're totally right. He just, you know, you don't see LeBron do very many interviews. From my understanding, you know, it's hard to get. Uh, to. He's hard to get to. Like he, you have to really, really work to interview him. But, like, th- this should be the guy yeah. that he should be doing, like, two in-person interviews with that are aired on SportsCenter or, or wherever. I don't think we've ever um, seen one. Year. And I don't think we've ever seen one. <laughs> I mean, maybe maybe there's maybe there's a video of one out there. You know, someone should uh, tr- uh, tweet at Ryan yeah. or Kevin here about it. Um, but, yeah, I don't think we've ever seen one. And there, there's never any quotes. It's just, oh... From what I've heard inside the locker room, LeBron thought this. Yeah. And LeBron said that. But not to me. Yeah. To somebody else. It's really bizarre. And what, like, God, what an easy job. Because he Can just I have has... that job? Right. Like, you just have to, like, go to a couple sources and they're going to, like, his camp's going to feed you what you need to say and you go ahead and fall asleep on TV and talk about it. Um, Maybe. You know what it is? He's got to be someone's son. Someone's son. Someone's true, nephew. True. Someone that's in LeBron's camp that said, all right. All right, look, you couldn't make it through school. I get it. It's fine. Here's what we need. Though. Yes, exactly. And and they told him about it. And said, all right, just just go, just, just go, and you know we'll we'll tell you what to report. All right, and uh, that was this uh, this week's daily ripping of uh, Brian Windhorse. This podcast is brought to you by Brian Windhorse, um, esteemed ESPN colleague and reporter. This this podcast will not be repeated on any ESPN network of any kind. <laughs> right. Um, all right. So let's let's now dive into one of our both big biggest passions. That's gambling. Um, and so we we do we do some side gambling on you know some some through through various sources. Um, but we'll make our way out to Vegas every now and then. Uh, right now we're in the midst of the NBA playoffs. Obviously, there's a lot going on with injuries, specifically to Steph Curry. Um, going into the playoffs and even halfway through the season, the Warriors were the overwhelming favorites odds to win the title at like even minus 300, which is crazy half a season in. Um, right now they're sitting at minus 125, still the favorites, and the Spurs are at plus 200. So interesting value on the Spurs. It's very interesting. Um, it's kind of tasty. I won. It's We forget that for all the trouble that Oklahoma City Thunder can give the Warriors, like when they play, it's always a battle. The Thunder have always beaten the Spurs when completely healthy. They have. That's absolutely right. So um, right now, the Thunder are at plus 1,200. To win, to win the West? To win the or... title. Oh. So you imagine if those two like those two teams are going to play each other in the next round the thunder and the spurs mm-hmm. is it inconceivable that the winner of that series wins the title like i don't think it's inconceivable but like what do you think is realistic there i i don't think it's inconceivable at all um you know something that we've talked about before is anytime that you have durant and westbrook on the floor at the same time you're right. capable of winning any game yeah. anywhere 
Yeah. And Ibaka has really been flying under the radar. Like people have talked about cancer and what he like hurts them on defense, how he helps them on offense. Mm -hmm. Uh, Ibaka is like still a really good player and matches up really well against both the Spurs and the Warriors in guarding. Like he can go up against Draymond or Bogut and also cover Tim Duncan or Marcus Aldridge like pretty well and be that shot blocker that he is. Um, But yeah, if you have like Westbrook and Durant, each one can go off where they can go off together and win four games in any series. Absolutely. You have to beat those two guys, you know, four times in a seven-game series. And that's not going to be easy no matter who you are, whether you're the Warriors or the Spurs. Um, and and really, if if the Thunder do take on, you know, every, everybody all season has been saying, especially all the basketball nerds, oh, I just want to see Spurs, Warriors, Spurs, Warriors, Spurs, Warriors. Personally, I think Thunder Warriors would be more entertaining. It's more entertaining, for sure. I mean, from, from a fan aspect, that's a series you should be rooting for. Right. You know, from a pure, you know, basketball aficionado aspect, yeah, fine. Spurs Warriors would be Yeah, better. but there's there's no Russell Westbrook on, on the Spurs. No, no, yeah, you're Gosh. not you're not watching Russell slow down the court at ninety four miles an hour. <laughs> Did you see this video? He's so he does like his dance thing with Cameron Payne before before each game. But there was a thing of him like a fan was taking a, a phone video and says something to him and he just looks at him and he's like Shut the F up. I'm not talking to you. And then, like, Kevin Durant, like, taps him on his shoulder. He walks away. And then the fan starts complaining to the ref. They're like, he said the F word at us. Like, it was just so funny. And he's just, like, such a punk and, like, plays, like, such a boss. It's insane to watch him. He and uh, both Westbrook and Durant have reached this new level of just, like, ultimate snarkiness. Yeah. You know, to everyone. I love it. Fans, uh, the even their team, own fans, the refs, their own fans, the media especially. Yeah, you know, and who, if God forbid that you say anything about either of them or or their teammates right. in general, because they will slap you down right. so fast. And so much has been said about like if they leave Oklahoma City, like that's something they're really going to have to deal with more than they have dealt with it in OKC is getting criticized. They really don't, and they, I mean, which makes me wonder. Right now, do they look like they want to not play with each other? Right. I know. They, they, they seem, seem to... like they don't want to be anywhere else, but at least with each other. Maybe they'll be somewhere else, but right. still with each other. Yeah, for sure. So that's that's interesting for sure. But, I mean, one, minus 125 is not great value on the Warriors to win, win it all. Especially because you don't know what Curry is looking at right now. Right, but I still wouldn't want to bet any money on any other team, I think. Just because, I mean, so they just beat the Rockets and looked pretty easy doing it. The Rockets are really bad. The, bad. the game that they won, they played well. Um, the Rockets did, but I don't think it's really any indication of even how the Warriors are going to do against Portland or L.A. I, I think it's no indication. And You mentioned the one game they won. Everybody's seen the clip of Harden hitting the game winner yeah. and his teammates oh, looking on so in funny. sheer disgust. So funny. I mean, how can you expect that? How can you think they played more than 50% that entire series? Yeah, I know. It's crazy. <laughs> so then... Uh, I think we, we we both do a little bit less of NBA than we do of football. And football, the lines for the first week are coming out. They're about to come out with season over unders, which is a which is a big deal uh, for for me. Um, you had a pretty good year last year gambling on football. Uh, I, I did. I I found some nice you know I found a nice comfort zone somewhere early on in the year. Um, you know, we we have our conversations during the year of, of wins and over unders and whatnot. But yeah, somewhere along the lines, I just it, 
I had this epiphany and just the season clicked for me. Yeah. And I, I felt like I could read the teams decently well. Yeah. And you had, which, which night was it that you told me never let me bet on this night? Uh, I think that was Monday night. Monday night. Because I, I went something like uh, 0-7 on my first Monday night, first seven Monday night <laughs> bets. and but on, <laughs> but on Sundays, you were just on fire. I was doing well on Sundays. I, uh, I'm, I'm looking at it right now, and it's uh, you know it's a true, it's a true testament to uh, you know my degeneracy, I suppose. But yeah, I had a nice uh, probably something like seventy five percent, you know, uh, win percentage during the year. So that's crazy. Yeah, very good. So uh, definitely, as as football season comes. Like maybe as new stuff develops in the NBA playoffs, but definitely as football season comes down the line, we'll be on talking a lot more about uh, gambling and uh, where you can find value, good plays, and just you know fun gambling stories. Uh, talking season over, like season over unders, is really interesting with some teams, um, especially once the draft is over. I think we'll have a good idea on those. So uh, wrapping up, let's go to a few uh, quick hit questions. Okay. One. What is your best sports memory? My best sports memory? Yes, among any team. Well, among any team. Uh, it, it's a really tough one. And I, I kind of try to actually, uh, I cheated a little bit, try to prepare myself for this question after yeah. listening to your first podcast. And thinking about it for about 24 hours straight, couldn't come up with one. Wow. And it, it's just, it's a true testament to just the the tortured Minnesota fan base. And, you know, to be honest, it's, I have other good sports memories, you know, they're great ones, but it comes down to watching, you know, singular games, you know, there's no, there's no championships to be excited about, you know, there's some nice playoff runs here and there, you know, for the Timberwolves, for example, you gotta go back to 04 last time we were in the playoffs, but probably some of my best watching memories was uh, growing up as a Vikes fan, uh, <clears throat> when we drafted Randy Moss, okay, and just watching yeah. Randy Moss every game was it, it was watching a highlight reel every yeah. game, especially that rookie season where he just went off, and I think it was on that that Thanksgiving Day game uh, versus right. Dallas. And he goes off for the three touchdowns and these three just huge, huge, large touchdowns. Yeah, and him playing opposite Chris Carter and stuff. So I was gonna say like your best memory has to be drafting Randy Moss and drafting Kevin Garnett. Like, those have to just be, like, the two they, best they moments. Are. They are. And especially KG, too, because when we drafted him as a rookie, um, I was still living there, and I was fortunate enough uh, that my dad was splitting season tickets with a guy from his work. And these were great seats. It was, it was this other guy's tickets, but he would give some to uh, to my dad, so my dad would take, a, take me there. Um, and we sat uh, center court about fifth row. Wow. Uh, which was just phenomenal, and I totally didn't appreciate it enough at the time, yeah. you know, being so young. But I got to see Garnett, you know, his first probably three, four years in the league yeah. from that close. Yeah. And looking back at it, I just like, man, I'm, I don't know what I would give to have that experience right now, you know, right. watching Towns, right. let's say. For sure. Yeah, and he, I mean, I was him coming out of high school, and people were a little, like, people were pretty unsure on him because he like, so skinny and whatever, and... Uh, can he really like what's his offensive game going to look like? But man, he was just a he's a crazy person. But <laughs> he's an he just, absolute lunatic. Uh, he was just a, a monster from the beginning, and he was. And you know, you said there's all those knocks on him. It just he was the first high school player to come out since uh, Moses time, did yeah. back in what '72 or whatever it was. Yeah. So uh, maybe you'll have a deeper uh, vat of your worst sports memories 
It's um, I have no idea what you're gonna pick. <laughs> do, do you have a couple in mind? Well, I do, uh, but I don't know like how much. It's just like recency bias. Okay, well, all right. So recency bias is going to play in this a little bit. Uh, there, there are two, there are two very painful moments for me to remember, and uh, the first one was, uh, they're both Vikings related. Yeah, that's and, where I'm leaning. And the first one was uh, with with one Brett Favre. Okay, yeah. And uh, having him come in and. You know, it was it was this whole weird tear of you know all of a sudden I got to root for this guy. Yeah, did you not want to like? No. Yeah. Right. <laughs> of course, that's got to be weird. It's the equivalent of as a Suns fan, diehard Suns fan, which I'm yeah. a big Suns fan too. You know, in in like '09, yeah. the Suns say, "Oh, you know what? We're gonna trade for Kobe." Right. And all of a sudden, Kobe's out or there like winning the games. Lakers wanting to root for Nash, something right. like that. Yeah. So you know, do I am I pulling for Kobe? You know, do I do I like him now? <laughs> right. What's going on? Anyways, he came in, had a great first season with us, you know, and that that NFC Championship game, you know, uh, Bounty Gate, what it's yeah, been, yeah. been called to now, um, and him throwing that final pick uh, against New Orleans. The most typical Brett Favre pick ever. And, and that's exactly what it was. And that's, you know, this culmination of things that made it so painful is it's this guy that you didn't, that you hated for 15 years or whatever it's been. You know, you you finally came around a little, but you're still a little edgy yeah. towards him. And then he loses you the biggest game that you've watched as a fan yeah. in just the exact fashion that like you why, ran him down. Why would I? Career. Why would I have expected anything different? It's exactly right. Yeah. So yeah, I remember watching because that really was a great year for him. I remember watching the game where he threw like the hail mary to Sidney Rice. Mm-hmm. To I forget who they were playing, but they won in the last second. There's um, there's that one. I don't I don't think that's the same one. But he won another last second game uh, against the Niners uh, at home. Maybe that was to Rice. I can't really remember. Now. But just a really good season. It was just that that was the that was the storyline among everyone was he threw this interception. But like that's Brett Favre. That's <laughs> exactly what it was. And then so then the other one is that uh, this last year. <laughs> the, Yes. A much more stable, reliable player for your team. Absolutely correct. Absolutely right. Um, You know, the first, you know, the last game the Vikings played of the season, you know, first round playoffs against the Seahawks. Man, did we fight our heart out all game. Played really well. Played so well. I mean, no one expected us to play that well. Yeah. Um, And I, I remember where I was. I was sitting. I was sitting in the bar at Four Peaks up in Scottsdale, Four Peaks Brewing, and we were all upstairs watching. And it was big Vikings t- contingency, and nobody's saying anything. Yeah. As as they're lining up the kick and the ball gets snapped, and he just straight shanks it. It's not even you know just pulls it, yanks yeah. it, whatever you want to call it, and everyone throws their arms up and starts yelling, but I can't me. Believe it. I sat there with my with my head in my hands and just this this feeling that slowly made its way down into my gut and all the way back up into my throat. It was, just, it was the most painful feeling I've felt uh, ever as a fan. Man, um, so much so that uh, my wife, God bless her soul, uh, just brought me home, picked up Jersey Mike's for me on the way home. Didn't say a word to me for the next six hours. She Gosh. knew it. She's like, I don't know. He doesn't want to talk. Wow. I'm just going to leave him be. 
Yeah, that was, I mean, it was unbelievable because you kind of, they had the throw to the tight end. Mm-hmm. And you just figure at that point it was over. And I, and you know, for what we were talking about, Teddy earlier, like he, he really showed in that game. He played well in those last uh, couple couple drives, you know, making good throws for to sure. Rudolph, uh, like you said. And, but there was never, even before he missed it, I don't think anyone around there was confident. Hmm. That that's the odd thing is just I don't think anyone was confident that we're gonna win this on this short field goal yeah. on this what seventeen yard field goal something like that it was crazy yeah so that's tough for sure yeah, <laughs> um, so hopefully hopefully in the next couple of years you're able to really establish that best sports memory <laughs> as a Minnesota fan but uh, all right well uh, I think that's good for today uh, again we'll be back. For plenty more talking about uh, some more NFL stuff as as the season gets a little bit closer. And uh, Alex, thanks for thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks, Kevin. Appreciate it. All right. Well, thanks thanks everyone for listening, and we'll be back again sometime early next week. All right. See ya.